Hey there, listeners. It's Brian with a few quick announcements before the show. I know some of you have heard these announcements already, but Green Room is a popular movie, so I'm just trying to reach as many of you as I can. Ashvin and I were guests on the hilarious podcast Lights, Camera, No on their January 10th episode discussing Final Destination. Check out their podcast in general because it's really funny. You can just search for Lights, Camera, No on your podcast app. And if you want to start with that January 10th episode, Final Destination, we had a great chat. Ashra and I recently posted another episode on our Patreon account on Underwater with Kristen Stewart. That's kind of a spoiler light episode. If you don't mind a few minor spoilers, you could check that out for a dollar a month and support our show. Our website also has reviews and articles on there, horrormovieclub.com. If you want to check that out, we reviewed The Turning on there. Uh, and we have a really fun article, Best of 2019, that some friends of the podcast helped us out with. Uh also, I've got a 2020 goal for our show of trying to reach 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't done so already, I'd really appreciate it. We'd both really appreciate it if you'd go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever they're calling it now and give us a rating or a review. That really helps people find the show. Even if you don't listen on that app, uh, it still helps drive listenership. Uh, and lastly, um, our friend Alex, who joined us for our Slice episode, he owns a great bar in the Ohio City neighborhood of Cleveland called Jukebox, and they're having their sixth annual Oscars watch party. Uh, that's Sunday, February 9th. They've got a happy hour and other fun stuff, so we would encourage you all to go there. Ashwin and I both love that bar. It's just a great spot. And they are at Jukebox CLE if you want to follow them there for more info also um alex is gonna start i'm outsourcing ohio connections to him from now on i think so you'll hear more from him on future episodes and oh yeah and ashvin um kind of gave our theme song a makeover so you'll hear that after you hear me speaking and hopefully he's gonna sneak in another uh musical treat in this episode all right that's it sorry everybody talk to you later bye Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about Green Room from 2015. Written and directed by Jeremy Solnier, starring Anton Yelchin, Aaliyah Shawkat, and Imogen Poots, oh, and Patrick Stewart. Uh, this is about a young punk band who finds themselves playing a show at a neo-Nazi venue and things go horribly wrong. And this is a request from our friend slash podcast mentor, Alex Budin. Alex was on our Slice episode, uh, if you want to go listen to that one. And I think Alex heard this mentioned as a top 10 films of the decade on another podcast that he listens to and said he'd be interested to hear us discuss it. Cool. Had, had you seen this one before? I had seen it before, and you had too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, Alex called this one out. It's a fun one to rewatch. Yeah, yeah. And you know... A few people have kind of put in requests. I don't know if they're really requesting it or if it's kind of a soft request. People <laughs> yeah. will be like, oh, you should do this. And I don't know if they like are like, hey, I'd like to hear you talk about this or check this movie out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm going to uh, try to hit some of those for the people that did do that. We should try to come up with some sort of system. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to get listener requested views. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe a form on our web. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll get back to you, everybody. <laughs> TBD. 
but yeah, I've got some some folks, uh, friends of the podcast, have mentioned stuff that I've got on my list. I can, we'll get around to it soon. We appreciate y'all if you're sitting there hanging, wondering when we're going to do the movie that you mentioned. We'll hopefully get to it, and if we don't, we still love you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what would you call this type of movie, man? We were just talking about Ready or Not and whether or not it was a slasher. Yeah. I I think this would be like a slash. I mean, there is some like literal slashing in it, uh, and you're surviving, but you do have like a big group that you're fighting against. Which I, I know you were saying maybe a slasher is like down to one like mass assailant or something. I, right. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of had like hostage. Yeah, like a yeah. hostage situation. It almost mm-hmm. has like a home invasion vibe. Yeah. Um, thriller. Yeah. Yeah. No. Home, guess- that's interesting because yeah, they are trying to escape a, a place. Yeah, it's not their home, but they're trapped in a stronghold and trying to defend it against invaders. Yeah. I was going to say, like, survivalist or something, but I guess every horror film you're trying to survive, so. Yeah, yeah but, sorry. yeah, that's, it's interesting. It really, it, and that I think survivalists could apply to this more, too, because a lot of the movie is kind of outsmarting each other. Yeah. Like, uh, everybody seems very practical in this movie. Yeah, that's one thing I really like about it, too. It's kind of like that mental play. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, But would you consider, uh, I feel like we've seen maybe like two or three movies now that are focused on like Nazis or that's like kind of a theme, like Dead Snow. And then uh, what was the other one that came out last year Um, where they're fighting actual like Nazis somewhere? Uh, Oh, Overlord. Oh, yeah, Overlord. Yeah. So would you put this like with that genre at all? Oh boy, that's a good question. Like, there is this Nazi exploitation subgenre, but that's usually a bit over the top. Yeah. Um, like an Inglorious Bastards is kind of a spoof on Nazi exploitation, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Dead Snow. That's true. And Overlord are both pretty over the top. So yeah, this is this is interesting because I mean, these are real here in the flesh today Nazis. Yeah, which it kind of adds like a realistic element to this movie, especially like yeah, all the news going on these days. Uh, yeah. it, this one kind of feels like very timely. Right, yeah, and it was three years, what, four years ago, so mm-hmm. it's kind of about a year before that stuff started getting a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it does make the movie scarier. It does, yeah, because it's such like a real threat. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I feel like they depicted it uh, like you're right. The other ones like kind of over the top Nazi or like they're actually in Germany or the zombies or the Nazis are zombies. But this one they just feel like really real uh, people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you feel about the fact that we're like five minutes into recording and we barely talked about Imogen Poots? <laughs> it's really weird, man. <laughs> it's been really hard to hold back this long. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to be weird though and like prematurely jump into it. <laughs> But did you see your hair in this movie? Uh, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, I never want our show to be like two dudes talking about an attractive woman. But oh yeah, you know it, that's that. I feel like that's an interesting thing about it. Is like I don't feel like like some of the other actresses in this genre these days. Like they're just like kind of you know really beautiful or something. Whereas like Imogen, I feel like what's uh, appealing about her is like she can come across in like all these roles, like Black Christmas, uh, this one. Um, 28 days later, like as like kind of uh, both like a vulnerable, but at the same time like in uh, like a threatening role, like like in this one, like I mean she plays like she kind of goes on both sides of the coin, right? And yeah, I mean she's a bit a bit of a chameleon in a sense, like 
Yeah. I mean, any good actor is, but she's she's legitimately, legitimately a good actor. Um, and yeah, yeah, this is the three movies we've talked about. I think we're on a mission to hit all of her horror movies. Totally. But we talked about her in Fright Night remake and Black Christmas. And then 28 weeks later, we'll have to discuss at some point. But yeah. Yeah, Fright Night, she's like this bombshell, like, I mean, she's a she's a um, fleshed out character, but in the narrative, it's kind of like, oh, you're not Anton Yelchin's character. By the way, they're both in that movie, too. Yeah. It's like, she's way too hot for him, and she's like this super sexy, like, got it all going for her, well-rounded yeah. woman, and then she's like this really kind of mousy, like, purposely frumpy. Yeah woman in Black Christmas, and then in this one she's kind of like this weird hipster, yeah, maybe like, Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, maybe. You, you never know, but uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a kind of a crazy diversity, like the same character, same actress playing so many different roles. Yeah. I like that. Um, or maybe we're just obsessed with her. Now your your obsession is rubbing off on me. Yeah, but I mean, you gotta, you know, there's like a certain like charm or like ruggedness about her, and I, I think it's beyond like just the natural beauty that she brings. I, I think she's a great actress, and then she's able to like play these different roles and like take on these different characters that are widely different from each other, which is kind of yeah. unique. Yeah. Um, and in case we didn't descend enough into two dudes talking about an attractive woman territory, <laughs> you can go check out Ashwin's band Supervisor on Spotify, who has a song about him and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, I think the song's actually uh, we, we reference it in in the third third uh, verse. I don't know if you caught yeah, that you one. reference Green Room in that song. Yeah, yeah, great, great movie. Yeah, great song, dude. Hey, thanks. Uh, so this was an A twenty four. This was back when people were starting to be like, "Hey, this A twenty four thing." Yeah, yeah, I didn't even uh, recognize them back then. So that's cool. I like to see that that studio in charge of this so many years later. Yeah. Yep. Um, this did not do well though at the box office. It had a budget of five million and was three point eight at the box office. Did it have like a like I feel like I never heard of this in the theaters. I don't but... think it had much marketing. Yeah. How do you market a movie like this? Uh, yeah, I know, I know. It's it's a tough one to put out there. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um but yeah, I feel like it's built up like kind of a cult following though since, right? Oh yeah. I think I've seen it on a lot of people's best of the decade list. And that's yeah. kind of what spurred this. Right, right. Anton, as we mentioned in our Fright Night podcast, and won't discuss too much more in this one because it's, it's depressing. He died just a couple of months after this film premiered in a yeah. freak accident. S- such a bummer, man. Like, yeah, every time I see him on film, it's like he was such a great actor. Yeah, yeah, I really would have liked to have seen what his career did. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's probably worth repeating the Fright Night stuff because that's one of our least listened to episodes. I think people just haven't really seen that movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was him and Imogen again. Yeah, and uh, yep, the two of them. And uh, I think they might have dated at some point. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you got angry about that in the Fright Night episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I always think it's so funny when people get upset when <laughs> like a, a celebrity is like taken. Yeah, or they like find out that they their sexual preference does not align with, like, like oh, why? Because usually that's like the one thing that's in the way, though, right? It's like <laughs> as if you ever had a chance with this person. Yeah, if it wasn't for Anton, <laughs> <you there. laughs> uh, it's kind of like when people get upset when like their sports team loses or wins, uh, or yeah, or most of the time loses. 
but it's like, what, what did you really have to do with that anyway? Dude, I, uh, as someone who's not into sports, I always think I, it's so silly. Uh Oh, actually, now that I think about this, this is a Alex requested episode. <laughs> He's a pretty big sports fan, but I always, some part of me is just thinks it's pretty silly when people get real riled up over sports. I, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I, I think it's great when people are happy about it, but. Like, my dad had to stop watching the Indians at one point because he would be, like, depressed the whole night. <laughs> too <day>. upsetting. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. You don't know <laughs> any is. of those people. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was at this bar over the weekend, and, like, Ohio State was playing this big game, and, and they lost. And I was getting a kick out of it because I was just taking photos of everyone at the bar and how pissed they look. <laughs> and, and this is, like, something very, like, uh, entertaining about, like, watching people get really upset when their team, team like, loses or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I knew a guy peripherally through someone else I know who I won't mention who really it was kind of like that. It like ruined his, you'd ask how his day went and he'd be like, "Well, my team's won, so everything's good." <laughs> yeah. Man, our priorities are different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. And I think there's the discussion might be might be better off squeezing in more discussion once we start talking about the plot. There's not too much background info on this movie that probably Hasn't been repeated on the internet already. Yeah, and this director, uh, it sounds like he's only got like a handful of film or hand, uh, yeah, handful of films. Uh, and he did Hold the Dark, I guess, which I haven't seen that one. But yeah, have you, have I haven't you seen... seen that either. And a one called okay. one called Murder Party from a few years back, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised, like given how well this film's done, uh, he's only got a few films that maybe yeah. not a lot of people have seen. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that as well. Um, and of course, uh, Aaliyah Shawkat, we didn't mention, is maybe from Arrested Development. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought it was. Stewart's Professor X from X Men. Right. Uh, and I thought it was really cool that um, like the, the main characters in this, they're in a band and we see them perform. And I guess they all actually like played their instruments and did their parts, which is pretty cool. You know, I got conflicting information on that because if you watch the credits, it sounds like the Ain't Rights were people that were not those actors. Oh, really? Like, I thought that the actors were visually playing the instruments, but the audio was not the actors. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, like, not, like, live, like, while they were doing that. But I, I for some reason, I thought, like, they are the ones that recorded it and played it back. But if you saw something different than the credits, that's interesting. Yeah, the, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused about what's right because I saw that, too, like, all over the Internet. But the credits yeah. made it seem like it was a different band that, that recorded yeah. those studio sessions. That seems more realistic. I mean, how quick, how, how easy is it to pick up drums like that? That's kind of hard and sing like that. Yeah, or, like, either that or they just conveniently or purposefully got actors who knew how to play those instruments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to dig into that one more. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have Ohio connections? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only thing this. <laughs> I could think of was that there was a uh, low-key... Akron was kind of low-key big in the um, punk scene. Like There's a big punk rock scene in Akron. Maybe not nationally, oh. but yeah. but regionally it was a big deal. Um, Interesting. And, I didn't realize that. Yeah, in like the 70s and 80s, and uh, part of that scene was Devo. Oh, cool. And actually, I always hesitate to like incorporate real life violence into these connections because it's just mm-hmm. it's not that fun. It's but um, I learned that one of the dudes, one of the main dudes from Devo, and then like two other band members or like musical artists who ended up being parts of crucial Akron punk bands that nobody would recognize if I said now, unless you were in Akron at that time. 
mm-hmm. were all at the Kent State shootings and like cited oh. that as an influence in their music. Wow, like back in the seventies. Yep. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, different yeah. times back then. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, one last thing on the genre. Would you equate this um, like with um, maybe like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or, like the the whole like um, urban rule kind of dilemma, or the um, you know like these guys are from D.C. but they're out like in rural Washington, Oregon, or something at like a a neo Nazi conference or whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, do, do you think like a bit of a city versus country thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit. They they do make it clear that this venue they're playing at, it's almost like a compound. Yeah. Like this Nazi stronghold is basically in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. Which was a right. cool setting. I thought this was a cool yeah. idea for a movie. I know. It was like kind of minimalist, but like it, it really worked to their advantage. Yeah. Yeah, like the whole movie just like to visually put you there if you haven't seen it is this band trapped in the green room of this venue, this dingy dive bar, and then like vehicles and dudes like Nazis in the parking lot and like on this like campus just like pacing and discussing what their plan is while <laughs> Patrick Stewart leads them all. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, pretty it's, cool. Yeah, really cool setting. Yeah. Um well speaking of that man, should I should I get on with it? Talk yeah, about Yeah, let's plot? get to it. Yeah. All right. Well if you're new to the show we're gonna spoil everything from here on out, so this is your last chance to duck out. Um, but Ashwin, do you mind holding on one second? Sure. Okay. I, actually, you know what, man? Do you mind if we just record the rest of this another night? I'm doing this open mic thing at a bar nearby. Oh, yeah, sure. All right, let's okay. pick it up tomorrow night. All right, cool. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. All right, bye. I saw you at a punk show. You were there with the body on the floor. And some Nazis, they come to get you, but you just want to. Hey, hey, Ashwin, how's it going? Hey, good, good. How'd it go last night? Uh, you know, it, it went really well, but I had to wait in the back room before my slot, and there was this body on the floor with an arrow through its head. Oh, boy. <laughs> an arrow through its head? Yeah. Uh, it uh, turned out it was just that dude from Friday the 13th Part 3 that keeps pretending he's dead. Oh, that trickster. <laughs> he's hanging out in the green rooms at open yeah, mics. He, he was slotted for a stand-up act. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Uh, okay, so on to the plot. So we've got this young band called the Ant Rights, and they're basically, it's almost implied that they maybe are borderline living out of their van they don't have much money. None of that's explicitly spelled out, but we see them siphon gas. They've like fallen. The driver like fell asleep in the middle of the highway, <laughs> and they're in this cornfield. They wake up in the morning. Yeah, the, the whole beginning is like how broke they are, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. They, I think they've like driven out from like DC, and they're basically on the other coast or something. Yeah, it's like some dude with a maybe like a zine or a radio show on local college radio is putting them up for the night as part of like the show they're playing. 
Yeah. Um, and they essentially the show at the biggest the big venue that they're supposed to play ends up getting canceled, and the guy's like, "But I've got this other thing that you can do if you want to take it." Like it's kind of a bit of a consolation prize. Um, he warns him like, "Hey, it's this like far right." I don't. He's not all out like these are extremists, but he's like, hey, yeah. "Don't poli- don't talk politics with these people." Yeah. And while he, we see a scene of him interviewing all of them, and they talk about what punk means to them, and he asks each of them what their desert island band is, um, which becomes a slight theme throughout the movie. And I just want to give you a heads up that I'm going to ask you, Ashwin. Oh man! Later in the podcast. <laughs> all right. And I feel like I know your answer. Yeah, I think so too. And think yeah. you know mine. Uh, maybe. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so they go to this show. It's at this compound, pretty isolated, as we've mentioned. Um, they play the show, and they kind of do a little bit of a... I th- there's an actual song called Nazi Punk's Fuck Off. I think it's by the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, I think it's a cover. So they play a cover of that as a bit of an FU, but then they go on to play a normal set and the crowd's kind of digging it. They pack up all their stuff and then one of them realizes they forgot their phone in the green room. Green room, everybody is like a place to you before you play a gig where like the performers hang out before going on stage. Mm-hmm. So one of them goes back to get their phone and they see that there's this body on the floor. A woman's on the floor with a knife through her head and Imogen Poots character is in there crying. There's some other dude and they get the standoff. They're like trying to call nine one one. They end up getting like shut into this room by the people who run the venue. And they're like, "Hey, like for safety, nobody leave this room." And they're kind of trying to play it up to them, like, "Yeah, the cops have been called." Because um, I think Anton Yelchin got like halfway through a nine one one call, and then he gave yeah. it to one of the people who works at the venue, gave them the phone. Yeah, uh, and and that guy who's like working the venue, like he seems like this really honest guy who's just like, you guys just need to stay here. We'll like figure it all out. He's like right. trying to calm them down. Yeah, yep, and he does an effective job. Like, yeah, for quite a while they think like, not quite a while, but it's a little while before they start to realize something's horribly wrong. Like, the venue has passed it off. Like, hey, we've got this, but like we're gonna keep everybody in that room until the police come. Yeah. I like that whole vibe. Like, they're kind of in the dark and, like, thinking, like, what the fuck's going on? And they're in that room with, like, Imogene, who, like, they don't really know. Um, right. And they're, they're just, like, yeah, they don't, they don't know, really, like, who to trust at that point. Yeah, and this other dude that they've, like, that's basically one of the dudes. He's, like, a bouncer at the venue. I can't remember his name. It's, like, Big Tony or something like that. Yeah, something He's big. in there with them, too, like, keeping an eye on them. What's his yeah. name? Oh, Big Something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, a lot of this movie is just really smart, like strategy between the two of them and like them shouting to each other through the door and like they can't yeah. even see each other. Um, so one thing I thought was kind of smart was like Patrick Stewart, this guy, Gabe, is like the right hand man and then Patrick Stewart's the lead guy. You see Patrick Stewart paying these two young punks to stab the, like one of them stabs the other one. Mm-hmm. Just so they can, because like the nine nine one one has been called and a stabbing has been reported, but so these guys are essentially taking the heat. Like this yeah. was the stabbing that was reported, right? Yeah, that was pretty smart. Yeah, yeah, good, good call. So they get in this standoff. 
it's somehow they have a gun in there. I can't remember if it was from the guy that killed this woman or what. It's from and, like the big guy who is guarding them, I think. Okay. Yeah. They kind of take him hostage and then they are going to pass the gun over to Darcy, Patrick Stewart's character. But they're like handing it through the door, but Imogen Poots, or one of them, I think it's Imogen Poots' character. Yeah. Uh, her name's Amber. She looks under the crack of the door and sees that, like, this is a trap. They're all going to ambush you. So he tries to bring the gun back in, but they, like, hack and slash at uh, Pat's arm. Is that his name, Pat? Anton uh, yeah, Hansen's character? Yeah, Pat. And then, mm-hmm. so he he loses the gun, brings his hand back in, and his hand is, like, hanging on by a thread. It almost looks like... I was am- uh, Yeah. <laughs> that was that pretty was, gory. That was really gory. And I was amazed, like, so... Like, that's, like, one of the first interactions... Uh, that they're having with like Patrick Stewart and uh, like that, you know, they're doing that whole exchange, and you have like your main character suddenly like lose an arm like so early in the movie. It was, I, I thought that was bold. Yeah, he doesn't lose it, but it's it is a deep. It's, yeah, it's pretty. It's I mean, pretty it's his arm, his hand is like dangling. Yeah, his wrist is like all all slid up, and his hands hanging off it. It's funny. This movie doesn't like seem to go out of its way to be gory, but at the same time, it does not shy away from the gore at all. Yeah, it's very so like it, realistic. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. It's it yeah. is realistic. Yeah. Um so now they've lost the gun and they end up killing the guard like one of the band members has this dude, the like uh bouncer dude in a chokehold, and then Amber just takes this box cutter and slices his belly. Another like pretty gory cut. Yeah, gory and it was just kind of unexpected. I think she was just like pissed and like yeah. felt betrayed they kind of alluded to the fact that she is only there because somebody she's being threatened by somebody and she's trying to enlist their help who amber and, yeah at one point she says to pat or one of the band members like let's just say the people who are trying to hurt me aren't white oh interesting so i think she's there trying to like get somebody to do something to some other people who are trying to hurt her. Ah, I totally missed that. I thought she was only there because I thought that was her friend on the ground that got killed. That was her friend, yeah. And her friend was dating one of the dudes, and they were both about to ditch oh. the, like, just make a break for it and ditch this cult of got whatever it. you want to call it. Not really yeah, a cult, but... Kind of, um, yeah, sure. So, and I think that's why that girl was murdered, because they found out about it. Yeah, right. Um... So anyway, then that kind of just gets into this whole cat and mouse game. It's now official, like it's us versus them, and we're trapped in here. Um, they find this underground drug lab in the room they're in. Uh, like there's a door in the floor, but there's no way out there. And they end up, essentially, there's a good chunk of the movie that's just them plotting, and then we cut back to the Nazis who are plotting. And they end up arming themselves with kind of pretty shoddy improvised weapons like i think one of them has like a neon light that they're trying to use as a blunt object is that like a fire extinguisher yeah fire extinguisher so they exit the green room into this empty club um but they like unleash this attack dog on them which is super brutal it just kills one of the members of the band right off yeah yeah and when these characters die like You've been pretty much with them the whole movie, um, and then they're just gone. Like, yeah. brutal kills. Like and in it's seconds, not even, right? like, that hyped up. It's just like, that was gross. Now they're dead. Yeah, that, that makes it so much more realistic, too. Like, just how quickly they're, like, killed or they get rid of so quickly. 
Yeah, it really was. And the first time I watched this, it like kind of kept me from enjoying the movie a little bit. Because I was just like, oof, this is rough. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just hung out with this guy for like 40 minutes and then yeah, just like, wiped out. Right. And they don't go like, they don't bend over backwards to develop the characters. But it's one of those movies where they just do a good job. Like you don't know the entire character's backstory, but you've just hung out with them enough that you feel like you know them. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel I think, like we've talked about that in the past on other shows. Like some of my closest friends, I don't know their entire backstory, but I just know them from being with them. Yeah, right. And I think that whole band dynamic also helps. Like you kind of see them all and like how they interact with each other and in that context. It exactly. Just like makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we're just kind of a fly on the wall as they're like hanging out and making fart jokes and drinking beers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Amber and Pat eventually drive away the dog with microphone feedback. Um Another when another dude in the band tries to get out of a window, and as soon as he gets outside, he's just hacked to death by these skinheads. Um, yeah. Then later on, I can't remember how Aaliyah Shawcat gets separated from the group, but they, she's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, they they all like kind of run outside with her with a shotgun, and then she basically gets gunned down, I think, and then a dog. Well, I think a dog comes up and eats her. Yeah, yeah. There's like the dogs running at them as they're both shooting back and forth at each other. Yeah, and I think Imogen gets shot in the leg at that point too. Yeah, I think so. So then it's kind of in crisis mode. Pat and Amber are back in the green room. All is looking helpless. She's hurt, um, and yeah, they're both really hurt. And then he goes on this rant that he kind of started going on earlier about this dude that he played paintball with against these guys who were ex-military. And he was like, the only thing we could ever do to win was to just go bonkers because they were so trained in the right things to do that we had to throw them a curveball. So they end up using that knowledge to fight these two dudes who were sent in to try to kill them. And they, I can't remember the ins and outs of everything they do, but they essentially like send them down into this drug lab underground to get Pat. And meanwhile, Amber's like hidden underneath the couch. And so between the two of them, they, they off these two dudes, I think. And then they end up taking Gabe hostage. Yeah. Between the two of them, I I feel like it was mostly Amber. Like I I feel like she killed those two guys and he was mostly just like being this distraction in the basement. That's true. He was just kind of the bait. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she slits one of their throats, and then I think she shoots the other one. Yeah, that's Imogen, man. She'll fuck you up. (laughs) Um, Or I can't remember if she's... No, she doesn't shoot the other one. They convince the other one to help them get out. Yeah. And then he actually gets shot by his own people. He was the the boyfriend of the woman whose head got stabbed, I think. Yep. Yeah, you're right. He was going to make a run for it, and he's like, if they haven't found out by now... Like, yeah. they know, so they're going to kill me, too. Yeah, and they shoot him, like, mid-sentence. He's like, oh, luckily I know where, and then they, they shoot him or something. Yeah. That's kind of yep. funny. Yeah. Um, so, But then they end up getting encountering Gable on the way. They take him hostage, and they're outside now, and it's, it's like daylight now. It's morning. And they track down Darcy, who's staging a scene to make it look like the rest of the band was killed trespassing. Yeah, and like, like attacked they came by onto dogs. someone's property and got shot. Yeah, got attacked by the dogs. Yep, that was mm-hmm. those, this whole time. He's like, we're getting a lot of Patrick Stewart. We haven't talked about it much, like plotting and deciding and uh, essentially instructing the troops on what to do. Yeah, he's basically like a project manager. This whole movie. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost impressive and fun to watch, <laughs> like as yeah. horrible as it is, like these Nazis yeah. figuring out how to get away with this crime. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like second nature to him. It's like, all right, yeah, go do this now or bring the dogs in. Yep. Sarah. Uh, so Amber and Pat now have him and these two other dudes, like, at gunpoint. And they things kind of get escalated. I think she shoots one of them. And Pat's like, what are we doing here? And she was like, what do you think we're doing? And he goes, I was going to ruin the crime scene. And she goes, I thought we'd make a new one, which I thought was yeah, it's a good line. Badass. Yeah, yeah. This is a very well written movie. Yeah, good, good dialogue. Um, so yeah, so then it's just them, and I think Darcy and one other dude, and Darcy just turns around and starts walking in the other direction and slowly take a gun out of his like coat to turn and shoot at them, um, <laughs> but they they gun him down and shoot him a few times and he gets shot in the head as soon as he's shooting his gun and the bullet goes off stray somewhere nobody our people don't get hurt that was such an interesting uh, sequence because yeah he just like turns and just starts walking he doesn't even like run or anything he just like starts walking away it was actually kind of one of those weird it was desperate but it was also another kind of smart thing by him because like what do you do when someone so like slowly starts walking away yeah he got someone at gunpoint and they just like turn around and slowly start walking <laughs> yeah and you know he knew if they would see him reach into his pocket that they would yeah. shoot him it was pulling a gun but you can't really see him do that if he's walking the other direction yeah that's a really good point i probably would have been like hello hello <laughs> like where are you going <laughs> yeah, I guess your immediate reaction would be to shoot them. Hello? <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Good sir. Yeah, I have a gun. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I don't think either one of us would have made it through this movie. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. Um, so, <clears throat> I th- it's kind of like a screenwriting thing where... At the end of the movie, your main character is supposed to have some realization. Like, you know, hey, I really can do this. Or, hey, maybe, like, <laughs> I'm not so bad at trial, whatever. Yeah, some um, personal growth. Yeah, yep. And I feel like it's almost like a wink and nod to that um, convention that at the end of the movie, Pat and Amber are just sitting there and he's like, hey, I know I know what it is. And she's like, what? And he's like, my Desert Island band. She's just like, tell somebody who gives a shit. And the movie <laughs> ends without us hearing. Because the whole movie, he can't. I forgot to mention that. Shit. I failed. I failed ah, screenwriting. No. <laughs> but in the beginning, he like can't get a, give an answer. He's just kind of tongue-tied. Like he can't think of his Desert Island band. And then it comes up later on in the movie. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the movie, they all give this punk band. And then right before they're about to run out there and maybe die, they all give their true answers. And it's like <laughs> Prince. Prince, like uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and he right. still can't think of an answer. Yeah, yeah. And um, finally, finally, at the end, he figures it out, and it just like it doesn't mean anything, I guess. Yeah, gosh, Imogen really is a pretty big badass in this movie. The more yeah. I think about it, yeah, I feel like she's the one that kind of emerged like from the rubble in this, and like ended up being like the main killer uh, that right. that saved everyone, or yeah. it saved Pat at least. Right, right. She did most of the damage. Yeah, and was the one who was like, "Hey, it's a trap." Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, she probably has the highest skill count, even even on the Nazi side. I think so. I think so. Don't fuck with Imogen. Yeah, she knows what she's doing, man. Um, so, Ashwin, personal growth throughout this podcast, what, <laughs> what's your Desert Island ban? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think obviously there's only one band that anyone would really pick, and it's got to be Radiohead. I mean, they, they're just, they're all over the place, man, and everything they do is so amazing. I mean, how could you, it'd be kind of dumb to say any other band, I think. <laughs> they're like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, except a little better, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, what people about, who like Radiohead, really, I mean, you're not alone. There's so many people who are just like, Radiohead is the end-all, be-all. Yeah, man. Pretty much, I think that's that's been proven like as a fact at this point. Yeah, uh, there sure. was there was a time where that could have been a conversation, but I think enough science <laughs> no has more. been presented. Yeah, enough facts and data have been shown. Uh, what's what's yours? Uh, Animal Collective. Ah, that's what I yeah, that's what I thought. I was I was actually wondering between that and Panda Bear, but yeah, Animal Collective has a bigger discography and uh, they have more variations too. Like there's some that really rock and some that you could fall asleep to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think between uh, I would go with the Animal Collective too. Between those two, yeah, uh, I, I, I think you, I, I got to give them a deeper listen. Yeah, you've been saying that for years now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get on it. Are they are they still around? Uh, yeah, man, they're still making movies. The the one of the lead singers lives here in Asheville. Oh, cool. You ever see him? Did I say making movies, making music. Yeah, yeah. You ever they see him? They did make a movie too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, do you, you ever see the guy? Uh, no, no. I, when I first learned that, I was like everywhere I went, I was looking at every person. <laughs> Is that you? Which one? Uh, was it Tavy or whatever? Yeah, Av Tear. Oh, Av Tear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Small world. Um, dude. Random fun fact. I just remembered. Macon Blair, who plays Gabe in this movie, the mm-hmm. right hand man to Darcy, he is married to the woman who played the librarian in Mercy Black. Oh wow! No way. Yeah. Oh, small He's universe. also, I'm pretty sure, brothers with the guys who scored this movie, and they also scored the new Black Christmas. Oh, cool! That's awesome. Yeah, wow, that guy's pretty connected. He's the one that plays Daniel. Uh, he no, he plays Gabe, the Gabe, like right hand man, oh, right hand Nazi. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Subman. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I I, I like. I thought all the casting was really good in this. Like they, they, he just he seemed like a really believable character. Spot on casting, man. Especially Patrick Stewart. Yeah. He was yeah. a great, great villain. Did you feel like Patrick Stewart had enough screen time, though? Um, I did. I feel like sometimes, like we were just talking about in Ready or Not, sometimes they make the mistake of like making the villains too much the spotlight. Yeah. Um, I think they balanced it right. Like There was a decent amount of screen time. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. He was captivating, but I'm, I'm happy with the balance. What about it, you? You think it, he should have been on more? That was one thing I was thinking, uh, but I mean, now, now that I hear you say that, I mean, like, he was, like, a very, like, behind-the-scenes kind of villain, like, just kind of orchestrating things and pulling strings and talking to them, negotiating behind the door. Um, and I think I, I, I read the director kind of say that uh, Patrick Stewart's just such a big presence, they didn't want him to, like, overshadow all the other characters, so they purposefully kind of uh, downplayed him a bit or kept him off-camera when they could. Uh, so, yeah, it kind of, I guess, made him more menacing because you saw... A little bit less of him than maybe you might see of a typical villain in a movie, which maybe was pretty smart then. Right. Yeah, I think so. But in the end, he was basically just kind of a project manager, right? Like he didn't really yeah, kill anybody. I mean, he was the boss. Yeah. 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 He kind of just comes in and tells people what to do. Yep. Yeah, and strategizes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think he was like really thrilled when he read the script and everything, and was really excited to do this role. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. So what do you think? You like this movie? 
Yeah, man, I, I loved it. You know, one thing that was interesting in the, in the beginning, you have some like great like cinematography, some beautiful shots of them like that's as a, they're traveling and bonding. Uh, yeah. That kind of goes away once they get in that room, and yeah, I think that's fine. Uh, it's just, just interesting. But yeah, the, the characters are really good in the way they bond. Uh, the scares like seem really real, and the pacing is like awesome, and uh, the kills are pretty good. And I, I love the fact that they have like the back and forth, and they're like those mind games going on, which I feel like a lot of movies these days don't have that. Uh, like, have you seen that recently in a horror film? Yeah, it's been a while since I saw, like, a really smart horror film like that. Right? It's rare. I mean, there, I've seen horror movies that are smart in other ways, but, yeah, the, like, tactics here. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool to see. Yeah, the mind games, the, the, the plannings, the, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. some of that cinematography stuff you're talking about might be deliberate. Like, the beginning has a few shots of like open expansive spaces as they're on the road and everything and then it's a pretty claustrophobic movie after that like, yeah yeah it's purposely trying to create a bit of a contrast yeah i think you're right yeah it's good. yeah that's that's a really good point actually because uh, yeah you want you want to get that feeling that you're stuck in this room or in this building yeah that makes sense uh um, yeah so i i loved it what, what did you think nice yeah i did too the first time i saw this movie it was kind of like a I was like, I, I see why people are hyping this up, but it's just kind of like a three to me. Yeah. And I think it was because it was so brutal. Oh, and yeah. Like, I really loved these characters, and then to see so many of them die, just these brutal <laughs> deaths without much fanfare or emotional catharsis to it, uh, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But then this time going into the movie, knowing what kind of a movie it was, I felt I could really appreciate everything else about it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I was really just... A damn good movie. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I feel similarly. Like I, I think I liked it more on second viewing than I did on first viewing. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what changed, but uh, I, I think yeah, the way they kill these characters after like you hang out with them for so long, it just kind of adds like the impact of the realness of it and, and like the scare of the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, and that, another thing I really appreciated this time, as we already mentioned, I know we often repeat ourselves in these reviews, but learning who the characters were just by their interactions with each other was big. Like mm-hmm. just yeah. feeling like you're hang, you care about them cause you've been hanging out with them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I love the fact that there, there weren't like any like expansive backstories or flashbacks by any of the characters, which I feel like is something you see in a lot of movies. It just like kind of stuck like really in the present and their existing relationship without like right. diving too much into that. Yeah. Yep. It's effective. And, and like, it's weird cause like you know them so well, but uh, Imogen's character Amber, like you, I feel like throughout the whole movie, you never really know who she is, and she's just like this uh, surprise, like X factor that just like steps up. Yeah, it's true because like I wouldn't call her an underdeveloped character, but at the same time, you don't know anything about her. Yeah, yeah, it's just like this mystery girl. But I, I think it's like the dialogue that she has with the rest of them that makes her feel like really familiar, or understood, or something. Yeah, yeah, and she's really like smart. Her and Pat are the smartest and just kind of naturally capable people. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. That yeah. Um, what do you think, man? Zero to five box cutters. Oh, man. I, you know, I was going to give it like a four and a half because of that Patrick Stewart thing and, and not seeing him enough. But, you know, I think talking through, through it uh, or t- talking about it, I, I'd give it a five, man. It's, I think it's pretty solid. What, what about yeah, you? Yeah. I, I had four and a half. T- I had four or four and a half. Uh-huh. Just because, like, this is another one of those movies where I totally respect what my own personal feelings. It's just like seeing so many of the mains die such brutal deaths. Yeah, yeah. Without much emotion to it, it kind of just like keeps me from yeah loving it. But God. yeah, I'm, I'll give it a five as well. 
right. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like the next time I watch it, it would I'll I'll like it even more. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and it does that, have some moments of levity and stuff throughout too, peppered in there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that yeah, how how quickly uh, these characters die with such little fanfare. There was a part of me that would wonder, like, well, because they didn't show it too much or they didn't go into it too much, does that mean, like, they're still alive and there's still, like, a torture scene coming up where, like, their injured body is going to be killed more or something? But, uh, no, I, I guess that was the final death. Well, the only time the movie does that, they kind of rope that into the whole Nazi, like, Darcy being really smart and strategic, the one dude who goes outside and gets stabbed to death, he's mm-hmm. still breathing. They're like, he's still breathing, but barely. Oh. And then Darcy's like, let him bleed. Later is better for time of death. So did they end up killing him then? Or later? Or? Yeah, they were just like, basically, he's going to die. Oh. And let's let him die so just that we out, have yeah. a later time of death and that'll Got be it. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's like the end of his storyline. They're like, we never see him again. Right, is, he, he hasn't come back. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that, that is pretty abrupt, uh, pretty interesting approach. Yeah. Cool. Wow, a double fiver. These yeah. are rare. <laughs> no, it's a good night. We're calling them, apparently we're calling them double fivers now. <laughs> yeah. There's only a few of them, I imagine. Can't be that many. Boy, if, if I wasn't a dad when I had my two kids, I am now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call that a double fiver, son. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, man. Got to represent. Cool. All right. Well, uh, anything else, buddy? Uh, no. You? Uh, no, I think that's all I got. Okay, everybody. Well, that is it for our discussion on Green Room. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, you can give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find our show. You can find our social links on our website, horrormovieclub.com, where we've got a small but growing selection of written content as well. Uh, you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We've got a Discord server where you can talk to other listeners and fans of horror movies. Uh, it's a great app. I'm on there all the time talking with people. It's so much fun. And that has gotten easier to find on our website. It's under social links if you tried to find it before and couldn't do so. Uh, we announced next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter if you want to follow us there. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check out her art. There's great stuff for sale on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you are going to play a show at a far-right venue, be sure to pack a dog whistle. <laughs>